Welcome to Deviate to Win, a podcast featuring business leaders who've won by going in a different direction from everybody else. With your host, Jason Ader. This podcast is meant to be used for informational purposes only and not investment advice. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed. All opinions on Deviate to Win are the opinions of the host and guest and do not represent those of Spring Owl Asset Management. Okay, let's get going. This is Jason Ader. This is the Deviate to Win podcast. We're really excited today. We have the chairman of Valley Corporation, Sue Kim, joining us. Deviate to Win podcast is all about business leaders who decide to break away from the crowd, to take a step out of the mainstream and pursue a direction towards winning, but winning in a way that uh, is is unique. And uh, you know, I'm really excited to have Sue here. And, and I think Bally's, you know, has just been a, a standout in the gaming industry. Every, every decade or two, there's just a standout leader in the gaming industry. You know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, there was Kirk Kikorian. You know, in the 80s, 90s, there was Steve Wynn. And it looks to me, I mean, based on what you're doing, you're bringing together gaming technology and casinos and a legendary brand and you know, TV stations. I mean, you're setting your company up through your leadership and your management team to really be kind of this next generation of disruptors in gaming. And, and I'm so excited to talk with you about it and hear you know, your, your vision and, 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 and what's driving you and what's inspiring you and really look forward to you know, tracking and watching your success over the next several years. So thank you for joining and excited to hear your, your perspectives. So maybe the best thing to start is just the story behind, you know, the, the Bally's brand. I mean, it was, it was almost uh, asleep uh, in, inside a big company. Talk to me about how you found it and decided to acquire it. And uh, it certainly looks like you've got a great deal. Sure. Thank you. And Jason, thank you for having me and thank you for the, the kind introduction. Um, <clears throat> uh, um, yeah, just to just to get right into it. So um, we're showing a lot of uh, casinos for sale because, you know, we're pretty opportunistic. We move quickly and, uh, you know, we do as we say. So when we were shown Bally's Atlantic City, you know, to be completely frank, I was a little scared of it. <laughs> Atlantic City is as has dashed many a bright career in gaming. And I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it, although um, there was a few things that were, we found interesting. Um, one was the fact that New Jersey, you know, was really the first state, mostly because it was it is so mature, you know, being the second state that had a lot of casinos and, you know, and really the state has gotten hit the most in terms of competing uh, regional casinos. You know, New Jersey has been open to, you know, in some, in, in some ways disrupting itself and has gone out and said, you know, embraced full on, not only just mobile uh, sports betting, but actually iGaming as well. And we were buying a casino uh, on the boardwalk would give us entree onto that online business, which, you know, we uh, essentially wanted to embrace and prove ourselves in. So, um that was the first, you know, key thing. The, the other key thing is that we were able to buy, you know, for $25 million, the, the property free and clear. Um, so we actually took it out of the land lease. And, and so we always said, look, at the worst case scenario, we have, we have a, a bunch of acres on the beach that, you know, has to be worth something uh, if, if, if for whatever reason we can't make the casino worth it, you know. But um, the third element, which is something that I, I absolutely valued uh, and took us a little while to get to, 
was the brand. Uh, you know, obviously at one point Bally's uh, was, I think, the largest gaming company. The brand and the location right on Park Place and Boardwalk, you know, meant something. Bally's itself as a brand is a brand that's 100 years old, actually started as a you know, supplier to the Midway, you know, pinball machines and amusement parks. And we loved the flexibility of that brand. And we had been thinking about the branding question for some time. So Jason, we've been, you know, as we've uh, been building up more and more regional casinos, we knew at some point that we needed to connect them, even, even before the online we need to connect them, you know, physically through a single player club with a single corporate identity. And, you know, so that we could, you know, at least go down the pathway of potentially moving our customers around our network. So, um, you know, we literally had one brand for each property and in, uh, and that was okay, you know, when we were putting them together. Um, and we'd always had the, you know, the notion that if we came across a good brand, a great brand, then, then we would spend the money to rebrand all the casinos. So, so Bally's was one where when we came across the brand, we're like, this is a great brand. Uh, and this is one where it's worth spending the money to rebrand our casinos for. So, you know, we, we entered into conversations with the Caesars folks who were selling it, you know, in anticipation of the merger with El Dorado. And, you know, frankly, we couldn't get them to say yes. They were like, look, you know, we can't sell it right now. We're still in the merger. Um, but luckily we were friends with Tom Brett and so after the merger closed, we approached them and said, hey, would you have any interest in, in selling the, the, the Bally's brand name? And, and, you know, unfortunately for us, we were able to come to terms and, uh, you know, got into our possession. I think one of the strongest brands in gaming and, you know, really, uh, Jason, critical to, to that next evolution. You know, we wanted to be uh, the first gaming company that essentially disrupted us, ourselves, um, essentially willing to, you know, put our casinos on the line so that we can embrace an online future because we felt that at, in the end, the online future was bright and ultimately didn't harm the, the physical casinos. Uh, but, you know, was this amazing compliment uh, that added a lot of growth to it. So, but we also knew that in the online world, um, you know, a portfolio of regional brands doesn't have identity. When you're thinking about online company first, you need to have a singular identity, uh, you know, whether it's like a national brand or, you know, just again, a, a way, like, uh, you know, to make your customer acquisition easier. Um, I, I think a house of brands approach, which makes sense in a physical world, does not make sense in the online world. And so the urgency to, for us to find the brand that we had been looking for for some time uh, became uh, even more acute as we even you know, thought about going down the, you know, the, the online transformation pathway. And, and again, the you know, look, life is about timing and luck and it, it ultimately, uh, you know, we were at the right place at the right time. Well, it's certainly, it's certainly, everybody knows the name. It's been around forever, you know, the, the history with, uh, Pinball, the history with fitness centers. It was it's it's land-based casinos, it was slot machine companies. So th there's no doubt to be very hard to duplicate. You know the number of impressions Bally's has had for for such a long time. But you're doing so much more. I mean, you, you know, look at you know your your business. I mean, there's there's technology acquisitions, Betworks, GameSys. I mean, East Allied Esports, uh, Sinclair TV stations. I mean, you're you're converging right now in a way that you know. You know, in all, in all the hot areas, um, in a, in a very forward-thinking way, uh, most of the companies out there are are either playing catch-up or uh, and because they've been land-based casinos and they're playing catch-up and trying to figure out how to get online, or they're online 
gaming companies, and with the, with the exception of a few, most of the online gaming companies aren't really aren't really making money. Uh, they're spending a lot of money to acquire customers, but aren't, but aren't really making money. So so let's let's shift gears a little bit from the Bally brand acquisition, which which is which is exciting, and and, and let's move on to to Sinclair because that was really transformational and. Um, you know, I was I was at the opening day for the uh, Miami Marlins, and what did I see right out in the field was just you know ba- you know Bally Sports uh, advertisements. I mean, it's it's really in a very short period of time had a significant media and broadcast presence, and you know excited to watch you know how that develops and unfolds over, over the coming year. But but talk to us about the vision with with the TV stations and how that plays into the total strategy because nobody's doing that. Sure. Thank you again. And again, look, life is about timing and luck, and 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 uh, or luck is timing, and and uh, I guess um, um, the timing worked out well here. You know, look, I, I'm I'm actually uh, pretty familiar with the, the television broadcasting business. I, you know, sort of in the parallel life, when not building up a few different gaming companies, uh, I had built up a uh, a broadcaster called Young Broadcasting, which had rolled into a company called Media General, which got quite big and ultimately sold to Nextstar, but the TV universe is unlike, the, unlike uh, or uh, very similar to the the gaming universe. A very small set of people uh, playing, um, and you know, I was uh, you know familiar with all of them, and and so you know, look, we're we're familiar with everything that Sinclair was doing uh, for some time now. Look, when they first bought the RSNs, I w- I was like, wow, that's a big move. What was that for? You know, but you know, soon thereafter, you know, as I actually went down our whole like. Uh, online transformational pathway, I was like, holy cow, that is amazing. You know, they've just collected, in addition to the fact that they have Tennis Channel, which they had before even they bought the RSNs, uh, and Tennis actually, you may may or may not know, is the second most bet sport um, in the in the world, mostly because there's 25,000 matches a year. So um, uh, Sinclair, on top of that, you know, went out and paid $10.5 million to uh, you know, Disney to buy uh, the Fox regional sports nets. Uh, and that's where, you know, almost 5,000 games a year play, um, you know, half of Major League Baseball, basketball and hockey. So it's a, it's just a massive footprint. Um, and Sinclair itself, you know, if you include, uh, you know, tennis, you know, diamond and what they own uh, through the local TV stations um, on the NFL, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially the, the largest broadcast sports rights. But but it's also a very mature business, and it's also a business that um, that in some ways needs to be disrupted, uh, because if it well, they won't disrupt themselves, then somebody else will definitely come in and and you know eat their lunch for them. So and 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 I'm not referring just to Sinclair, but just the industry as a whole. So it, this has sort of been a unique opportunity to bring you know together you know you know two areas where I've spent a lot of time and have built up a lot of you know credibility and connections and. And and sort of bring them together and, and and create something quite different. Look, look, we believe that as the the gaming proposition evolves online, that you know versus the current system where you have you know advertising media, advertising media, advertising media, and the advertising calls you to a you know is a call to action to a gaming event, let's say a sports bet. Um, that you place and then you wait till the actual game ends and then you figure out how you did, you know, that's like, you know, that's like DOS. Um, I think, you know, the next generation will be a more seamless integration of the, the media and the, the potential for interactivity or gaming, or it's really interactivity of which gaming is one of the elements. So, 
when we had that sort of clearer vision, okay, well, we want to be in, you know, an online first gaming company, uh, and we're going to use our physical assets to be online first. Um, and then, you know, that helped us make the decision on the brand. Then we said, all right, well, what partnerships do we want to form to do well online? You know, I, I actually couldn't think of a better one than Sinclair. Now, the reality is, you know, for a long time, we weren't ready for Sinclair. You know, we didn't have enough casinos. We didn't have a brand. We didn't have any technology. And so, you know, frankly, I'd been, you know, sort of helping Sinclair, you know, sort of like indirectly and just informally, uh, you know, understand the gaming landscape because they were interested themselves actually in finding a gaming partner. You know, I think one of the the key theses for them to purchase sports rights, you know, they were actually ahead of it. Um, that, that they thought that, you know, having a gaming partner would be a good way to ultimately, you know, make them more valuable at the end. So that, that's something that came from them. Uh, and, you know, it started as a conversation where I was trying to help them get somewhere. But then as that conversation dragged on and as some of the earlier conversations that they were having didn't quite connect, um, again, this is, you know, why life is about opportunity and timing and luck. Um, you know, we were able to acquire more, more casinos to a place where we had sort of a network effect. Um, then we were able to acquire a brand, Valleys, and then we were able to acquire Betworks, uh, which actually set us on a very differentiated path where, you know, we're actually at, you know, at the moment that we bought it, we were the only, you know, casino gaming company that actually controlled its own online gaming technology and product. And, yeah. and, and that differentiated us in the eyes of Sinclair because they said, wow, like, you know, not only do you have a brand and access licenses, you know, uh, that your physical casinos have and your customer base, that the physical casinos have, you also have um, the ability to actually help us monetize our media directly and not through a third party. And that's interesting to us. So I know that's a long winded answer on your yeah, look, it's the broadcast side of, of what you're doing, you know, is, was, is, has always been fascinating to me. And we, we've sort of seen the formula work, but sort of said another way, which, which is what I love about what you're doing is you're creating a very unique and distinct competitive advantage in two areas, which is, which is your ability to acquire customers through broadcast and through the distribution of broadcast with gaming technology and a gaming brand, and then customer retention. And as it, I mean, so I see this all playing out with how you're putting together pieces of your portfolio. And obviously, Betworks is a part of that, and GameSys is a part of that. Yet you have, you know, a collection now of casinos, a gaming brand, broadcast assets, technology. Um, will you be in a position over the next several years to acquire customers and retain customers in online gaming better than most? I I, for me, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. And, and now you're in a position where it's going to be tough for a lot of companies to even catch up. So, so therein lies what, what you know, I'm so excited about. But so brand, casinos, broadcast assets, technology. How, how important is the technology? What are you looking for in the technology that, that you want to be as part of the Bally uh, Corporation portfolio? Yeah, no, Jason, thank you for that. I mean, look, I, I think that you're 100% right. You know, you look at the research reports and our good friends at, you know, DraftKings are, you know, are, are, are targeted to spend, you know, well over a billion dollars on promotions and advertising. And that's just them, you know, and they are the market leader. And, you know, you know, FanDuel, I'm sure, will spend, you know, hundreds of millions, if not that number as well. And, you know, you know and then there's going to be people that are going to try to keep up because they have the balance sheet to do so. 
And we thought about that picture. We essentially we knew that that was going to happen, and we said, "Look, I think our our best idea is not to try to get into that war." And uh, you know, I think a better solution would be to, again, uh, versus promote, uh, you know, where the sports are, integrate where the sports are. And so, where our deal with Sinclair, you know, makes us partners in the content rights that they have, so that we have the ability to integrate that content. And I think you're right. I mean, look, look, I mean, you know, Sinclair currently has 60 million cable homes, um, and, you know, declining, but still it's a huge number. You know, I, I think last year they had, uh, you know, prior to COVID, they had, you know, over 700 million streams on their Fox Sports Go app. And if we can convert a small fraction of those, you know, customers onto our platform, then I think we're doing okay. I think uh, the probably the, the biggest thing that's probably different is that, you know, because we're trying to integrate the content itself, we're actually trying to, uh, well, our, our number one focus is to make uh, the content more engaging and more entertaining. You know, I, I think that, you know, there is this curtain, like certain, certain love and obsession over sports betting. And what I would tell you is that sports betting itself, I'm not like ultra excited about you know, in another life, I actually was, um, you know, the lead shareholder of a, of a casino called Alianti. And for five years, you know, we ran our own sports books in the early 2010s to 15, you know, and I know the sports book business is, is um, a, a tricky one when it comes to consistency margins, very different from, you know, the traditional gaming businesses, which are slots, tables and, and lotteries. So, you know, what we want to do, um, you know, uh, is to create entertaining uh, experiences so that audiences are rewarded to come show up, you know, by appointment and watch live sports. And and we think that that's the win-win. And that's how we essentially we helped sort of convince Sinclair that we were the ones because we understood their business better. And we said, look, guys, you know, we're not coming here, you know, to just represent gaming. I, I think that you know, Bally's represents so much more than gaming. Again, we were gyms, we were pinball machines and amusement parks. Like, we're about fun, engaging, entertaining. And we want to bring Bally's to sports. And we want the, the idea of a traditional sports watching, which is traditionally a very passive affair. But now, you know, now that there's so much of everything, um, I think that, you know, the audiences are distracted. Definitely the younger demographics don't watch sports the way the older ones do. So how do we win that younger demographic? How do we give them experiences that they're accustomed to? And and what we need to do is work on the the actual um, experience of watching live appointment viewing so that it is more fun and engaging, not just for the hardcore sports fan and not just for the hardcore sports better. Because frankly, you know, if you're a sports better, you can just you know, look up the score, just like the way you can, you don't have to watch the lottery balls come out to know whether you won or lost. You could just look up the numbers, right? Remember, if we have the integration rights and you see valleys everywhere and we, with our valleys, you know, technology and sort of this, this philosophy and mindset, figure out ways to make content more engaging, interactive. It's not even actually about the betting, you know, we'll bring the audience, the content and the content will come to us, you know, for the engagement. And then, you know, look, eventually we'll, of course, we'll hit them up with opportunities to sports bet and iGame and all that stuff. But, you know, you know, to that end, that's why we spent as much time, as much as that works with our first acquisition. We've also bought Monkey Knife Fight, 
which is a um, which is a you know daily fantasy platform, Sportcaller, which is a you know free to play gaming platform, and you know you'll see that a, a, you know a, a number of our acquisitions, you know you know going forward really have nothing to do with sports betting per se. And obviously, you know, GameSys is actually a bingo-led iCasino. So, you know, very different, you know, than just sports. But what, what we think is interesting is that we can create a complementary a complementary set of skills and technical abilities. We can provide our customers essentially a universal experience. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, and everybody's very fixated on sports betting now. It's it's you can't watch sporting events without seeing some sort of advertising, and obviously the leagues are behind it. The states need the money, but uh, I mean, from my perspective, I mean, you know, live table games, online casinos, really, really where the money's made. I mean, real money can can be made, and so it it seems like in the not too distant future, given every state really needs you know additional funds post pandemic that the online casino you know will will be an important part of uh, the equation and, and you're certainly seeing well positioned you know for all areas of gaming not just sports betting I can't agree more I can't agree more how are you thinking about esports? Um, you know, that's an area everybody's talking about. It sort of had its moment during the pandemic. I remember I was watching Formula One on, you know, PlayStation because there were no live races, and you know, and, and obviously Fortnite had its moment, and then uh, League of Legends. So, you know, the esports. How do how do you see that in the whole ecosystem playing out? I, I actually think esports is actually you know quite important for you know in this conversation that we're having. Sort of for two reasons. One is obviously it touches a demographic that it's a differentiated demographic than the current demographics that watch the major league sports. So um, you know you have to address everyone. So that I think that's important for that. The other thing that's important for is I don't know if you if anyone remembers how Twitch started, but Twitch started as a company called Justin TV, and Justin TV was this, this sort of uh, you know strange creation uh, which essentially allowed for a lot of user generated streaming which then quickly morphed into people uh, streaming like pirated games, like professional like football matches and whatever else, right? And that got a huge amount of audience because obviously, you know, pirated anything gets a huge amount of audience. And so finally, the authorities came down on that and ended all the copyrighted streams. And what left what was left after all the copyrighted streams were the video game streams. Because those video game streams had a ton of audience, had a ton of engagement, but actually didn't have all of the copyright issues that the major league sports streams had. And, and that's what Twitch is now. So, you know, look, I, you know, those lessons aren't lost upon us. I'll just say stay tuned on that front. Uh, I, I think that you'll see, you know, more activities to bring those streams of content onto sort of more mainstream platforms. Well, it's interesting because it, it it's it's coming full circle. You know, there was a time Bally, you know, made uh, spinning reel um, slot machines. You pull the handle and the and, and the reels spin, and you know it was a leader in, in in that regard. Everybody knew the the Bally name. And we're coming into a period now, and, and it's just you know, that people who go to physical casinos they don't really play slot machines anymore. Uh, it's become very hard in in the land based casino environment to engage with a younger demographic. And the younger demographic is certainly, um, you know, very focused on, you know, Twitch type players, YouTube influencers, 
and esports, and so you're you're seeing the convergence of all. And now, yeah, even have YouTubers getting into professional sports. And you again, you're really in a position to be at the cutting edge. But what I love is that it also it, it's a cutting edge 2021 gaming. But you can reference back to that spinning wheel machine with a handle that you pull, and and it's just hard to get people to do that anymore but but it will how will it look in the future like well what's your vision as you look out over the next five to, to ten yeah. years where where's a land-based casino and, how, and, how, and i'd love to get your perspective on that i think they fit in great um you know look the physical casinos for us we touch tens of millions of people a year um and we don't even have that you know we don't have a casino in vegas for example so if we had a casino in vegas we'd you know we'd touch that many more people you know and so Look, every time you touch a person physically, it's an it's an opportunity for you to refresh the relationship they have with your company and to make sure you keep them as a relationship when they leave your physical facility and you know they go for the convenience of online. But look, there are certain experiences, Jason, that can't be replaced online, right? The social excitement of sitting around a you know a pit and you know screaming and yelling and um, or even watching a game with a group of people or or, you know, going to some bar or nightclub, getting free drinks, you know, like, you know, getting comped for rooms and restaurants, everything else. All of what is exciting about gaming will remain exciting about gaming. And we think absolutely is is something that should complement a customer's experience. And and look, if you look at a lot of the European operators, the, the ones that have physical presence, whether it's just these little betting parlors, you know, they do a good job of, you know, retaining and keeping their customers. So... Um, I think that casinos, when worked in conjunction with an online effort, I think it strengthens both. I, I think that there's a lot of fear that, you know, online will like, you know, um, will, will cannibalize, you know, but I think if you define yourself as an online company, you don't look at the world that way. And, and what you look at the, the physical experiences as a way to supplement and, and retain your customers even further. Fair enough. All right, let's let's switch gears a little bit, and 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 I wanted to just get your perspective and your philosophy on uh, corporate leverage. You know, you and I have both been around companies that had too much leverage. We've we've also you know had investments. We were pushing uh, chief financial officers to add leverage uh, because of you know the inefficiency of of, of capital allocation. Sh- share share with us um, what your philosophy is with respect to the balance sheet leverage. You know, looking back is really not indicative of. I suspect you know your perspective. You know, you just had to. You've just made several acquisitions. More to come. Um, there's been you know a uh, you know, fair amount of pressure on all land-based casinos. How, how should how should we think about you know your your targets and and your perspective on leverage? What's optimal for the type of business that you're creating, given your portfolio is so unique relative to anyone else out there? Right. So so a couple of things. One is. Um, Coming into this, uh, you know, we were no greater than four times leverage. And that and the fact that we actually owned all of our casinos um, coming into the crisis, we had no rent payments. Look, we, we've, we've done fine with moderate forms of leverage in the sense that, yes, look, if there was a ginormous opportunity, would we lever to go after it or would we lever to go after our own stock if it was you know super super cheap the answer is yes and because we've done both of those things you know um but look we're pretty careful we're pretty cautious we boys have been uh, actually you know when we do look back at all of our acquisitions our acquisitions have historically all been seven or better 
across the board. You know, that's what that's our realized cash flows. So, you know, we're pretty careful uh, in the end. Um, so, you know, I, I believe in you know being bold, but also staying cautious while we're doing it, and and being disciplined about you know how we spend our money. So, so I think that you'll see that versus our regular casino peers, that we probably will always have a little bit less leverage. Uh, and that gives us uh, a little comfort. And that's just on the casino side. Look, on, on, as we add more technology, look, I think technology companies are, tend to be less levered, period. Some part of that is the mature you know, gaming tech companies in Europe are in Europe, and Europe doesn't like as much levers as the U.S. likes. So, you know, if we were already going to be, you know, a, a less levered casino peer, you know, relative to our peers, if you layer in our, you know, gaming technology business uh, or online gaming business, um, I think our leverage would be lower than that. Still, you know, I, I guess we, you know we're 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 of it. You know, we're different uh, in this way as well. Um, I think the pure play guys are in the casino side are going to be more levered, you know, or are more leased up, or both levered and leased up. And and you know, tech guys maybe you know are are less levered, but they make no money. They need to raise money every, you know, you know, twelve to eighteen months. Um, we won't have either of those. Uh, we'll be somewhere in between of all that. Understood. So let's let's uh, change the gears a little bit more fun, a little bit less serious. Tell me who who are some of your business role models? Who who you who do you look up to? Who do you look at in any business, not just gaming? Just say, wow, you know, this 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 guy's doing it right. And and everybody says Elon Musk. So you could say Elon Musk, but somebody other than Elon Musk too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. Like um, um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I don't know him well. I've met him like once or twice. And, but uh, you know, the, I would say investing wise, the person that I, I feel like um, that people have said, Hey, you, there's some similarities into the various things you, you do is Carl Icahn, <laughs> you know, like, you know, they, you know, I'm like a like a, a single A version, and I guess there's some similarities in the sense that he grew up in Queens. I grew up in Queens. You know, <laughs> we both went to Princeton at different times. Obviously, uh, I'm in I'm in this building. You know, although he moved to Florida, and you know, look, he spent a lot of time in gaming. I've been I've been told uh, by others that there there are some similarities, and and I would consider that flattering because you know, it's, you know, the guy's obviously a genius and. Has always done right uh, for himself and his clients. Yeah, I've, you know, I was, was was lucky enough to to sort of see Carl Icon in action. My favorite Carl Icon stories, you know, were I mean, he keeps sort of different hours, and everyone else starts a little bit later, ends a little bit later. And I've just I've just watched him in his negotiation. You're you're probably using this technique as well as he just he just keeps everybody up so late where they finally just cave. I mean, it gets uh-huh. to the point where it's like 11, 11, 30, 12. Everybody wants to go to sleep. They got their next day plan. He's he's just having a second cup of coffee. It was amazing to watch <laughs> him do it. And then I've heard he this too. It's amazing. And then after you get through that and you're just about to come to a deal or maybe you've even negotiated a deal, no matter what, you know, there's a price chop at the end. And it's, it's certainly sir, both techniques have certainly served him well. And, and, uh, and I have to, have to admit, you know, tactics that I've, I've used uh, on, on my own as well. And, and it's, it's just brilliant negotiating. Right. Well, look, I, I mean, I, I've actually heard those anecdotes. Uh, I've not experienced them directly. And uh, we don't do price chops at the end. So we're, we're, <laughs> we do as we say, we, we don't, we're not that tough, you know. Fair enough. And and so last question, Who who's your ideal uh, dinner guest? If you could pick anybody out there right now to have dinner with, who would you pick? <laughs> uh, 
I don't know if I have a good answer on that one. Um, look, it, it's been sort of crazy these days because we're we're chasing down this this very big vision actually, um, and I just feel like I, I've never worked harder in my life because again we're trying to bring together not just gaming and, and technology but also media. You can just keep going, and there's just so many more places to go and so many more conversations to be had and partnerships to be met, you know, to be made and and people to be brought under the tent. And it's just been, it's just been this incredible uh, journey um, over the last, uh, you know, five, six months. So uh, what I would say is uh, <laughs> the person who I enjoy having dinner with these days is my wife, because, <laughs> you know, I feel like it, it, it's the, my family is the, the one that's been bearing the burden of, of, of us, you know, just trying to, you know, give it our all during this time and just, you know, participate in this amazing gold rush, land grab, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's been pretty crazy and and you know obviously you know, sometimes your family life suffers from it so i appreciate the support that i get at home and and uh and every day i, I have a chance to go back uh and and, and have dinner with the family it's, it's, a, it's a day i uh, i appreciate perfect answer no, nothing better than having just dinner with your wife and dinner with your wife and kids uh it's always the best part of my day as well so um so Kim, thank you very much. You know, really appreciated your insights on uh, DVA to Win podcast, and look forward to following your continued success. Jason, you've been kind. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. I mean, your body of work stands for itself and is amazing. Uh, so I appreciate uh, the the kind words from Pierre. So thank you. If you've enjoyed the conversation, leave a review and subscribe to DVA to Win to be alerted to future episodes. Jason's book, DVA to Win. Insights from a Turnaround Investor can be found on Amazon.